I came in last, but I think I won. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus was recorded as saying, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. This doesn't seem right upon first hearing it, but after Jesus told a story or two, it made more sense. Do any of you remember the ads that were airing all around the country, the world actually, when I did some research, <laughs> where the premise was to compare Walmart's prices with other retailers like drugstores and grocery stores, and they were going to see whose prices were the lowest. Because it was a Walmart ad, you may guess, Walmart came in first every single time. If you don't remember the commercial, let me try to refresh your memory. A really super excited Walmart promoter would begin the ad with, we're here with so-and-so today shopping at Walmart. She just shopped at Walgreens and now she has her receipt. We're going to shop for the same items and see the difference. Then the two of them would wander around the store, picking up the things that she got at the first place and making awkward small talk with one another. The shopper was supposed to respond with his great enthusiasm. Keep in mind, while the items she shopped for weren't planned, the script in the commercial definitely was. For example, when the actor would say, let's shop, the shopper's supposed to say, yes, let's go, like they're about to embark on something so exciting. When the host says, it looks like you use a lot of wipes, the shopper might respond, you have no idea. So the host can respond, well, did you have any idea you saved $2.75 on these items? To which she responds, I had no idea. Also, that like literally was a line I lifted straight off of one of the commercials, for real. Here's a couple more. While he's holding a box of Lucky Charms. Wow, $4.79 at the grocery store, $3.98 at Walmart. You saved 17%. You must be feeling lucky. Okay, I'll keep on coming for a minute just because I have to. I remember watching these commercials with Kenny at the time and commenting about how awkward it must be doing them with this guy. Here's a few more. 6% off on gain, a dollar off on Purex. You're really cleaning up on the savings. And the shopper over smiles and says, wow, that's amazing. The host grabs a can of cashews off the shelf and says, wow, this is nuts. You've saved over $2 on rollback at Walmart. Wow, that's amazing, the shopper with a big smile says again. Hey, as he holds up a box of crackers, 23% off at Walmart? That's awesome. We're saving on the Ritz. Then the physical comedy would start. He's raising the roof. Later on, he yells, go long, and he tosses things into the cart for the football party or whatever. He holds up a 12-pack of Sprite and says, hi, 12, as she gives him a high five with a big smile. The commercials would always end with a big reveal. Stephanie, 
Alicia, whoever, you saved X percent by shopping at Walmart. Then he would look straight into the camera and say, bring in your receipt and see for yourselves. And the ad would be over. So back to your game or news or whatever documentary we were into right then. For months, I've been watching these commercials and commenting on these poor shoppers who had to engage with this overactive actor. Overactive actor. <laughs> That's what I was about to say, overactive bladder. I must have been thinking about the products or something. I meant to say overacting actor. <laughs> they were saying things they probably never would in real life and had to do so with gusto. They probably wanted to say, seriously, I am not nearly as excited as this commercial is making me seem. And then one day I got a phone call. It was some ad agency looking for people to do a TV commercial. I wasn't sure what the commercial was for, but the message said something about home products. Now, lest you think I was discovered as a talent while doing anything at all, I was not. <laughs> I bet zero people are surprised right now. But I did have a son who was in the TV business for a number of years working as a news anchor, and someone asked him if his mom might be interested in doing an ad. We had recently moved to the area. We were a little short on cash. We hadn't sold our previous house yet, but owned our current one. We also originally thought we were going to be moving into a townhome, which had fallen through. But before it had fallen through, we sold everything we had related to a home, like our rakes and shovels and spade and snowblower and lawnmower, all our ladders. Did I say ladders? Yeah, we sold all those things. And now I don't think that I'm having that's a huge problem. I'm super aware of that. That wasn't like a crisis or anything. But it was a pretty big inconvenience. That said, when I was offered a chance to make some money doing a commercial, I was like, I should probably do this. So I sent in a little demo video and then received the call. I was accepted. And I was told that I would make $500 for filming the commercial. Then the person on the other line told me what my day would entail. He said I was to go to Walgreens and meet the producer there. I was going to shop for some things, and then afterwards, we were going to shop for those same things at Walmart, compare prices, and do an ad based on my savings. I thanked whoever it was who called me, hum up, and was like, oh my goodness, note to self, don't buy wipes. Filming day came. I drove to the Walgreens. They told me to meet the mat. I met the producer who told me and another woman who was there, surprisingly, that we were to go through the store and purchase 20 items. Everyday things. You know, don't go out here and get an electronics or super expensive stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was the guy. We were told we would be able to keep whatever we bought. So that also should inform our shopping. So I'm trying to like make a mental list of what we needed and I remember being bummed they didn't sell rakes there, but I did buy a really big bottle of Tylenol and I made my way down the deodorant row because I knew I needed that, but then I envisioned the pithy host later and I'm like, put that back, don't buy any personal items, put back, okay, toilet paper, nothing like that. So I got a bunch of cleaning products and various other things. When we were done shopping, we checked out, handed the receipt to the producer, and then we took our items with us in the Walgreens bags, hopped in our own cars, and drove ourselves to the nearest Walmart. We got to the Walmart, and they had some staffers who were going to shop for the identical items we had just purchased. While they were doing that, this other woman and I were taken to a back room. It looked like a mix between a storage room, a break room, and a closet. 
As we walked in, the crazy host was sitting off to the side at a small table with somebody else. The other woman and I were brought side-by-side chairs, and there was a table between us. A young woman came up to us. She opened a large pack of brushes and a larger palette of colors. She had a stack of Q-tips and cotton balls and all kinds of stuff. She introduced herself and said she was going to be doing our makeup for the commercial today. Now, I actually thought I had done my makeup for the commercial that day. I'd spent a little extra time on me and thought that I looked just fine, but apparently not. She started with the other woman. The producer came back and said, okay, just to let you know, although there are two of you, you might be wondering, only one of you actually is going to be doing the commercial. They were going to decide who would get to do it based on whose shopping produced the largest amount of savings. He said, we don't know yet. We're still shopping, but both of you need to get ready just in case. I wanted to ask about the $500, but I started telling myself, well, even if you don't do the commercial, you'll still get the bags of Walgreens stuff. So you're not going away empty-handed. So it's not a total waste. And anyway, it's now my turn to do my makeup. Okay, I have never. I'm not like anti-makeup person, don't get me wrong, but there was just so much time spent. There were so many products. There was so much squinting and taking a step back to survey the situation of my face from my makeup artist. She was using this black pencil to do my eyebrows. And this was before eyebrows made a comeback recently, right? There were so many colors on the palette that started making their way onto my face, actually sometimes in surprising places. Like one time I thought for sure this brush with the bright pink, like way too bright pink, might be heading to my cheeks, but it went to my eyes. I tried comforting myself as I remembered that, you know, even my son has to wear a certain amount of makeup when he does the news and he doesn't look crazy on TV. There weren't any mirrors, so that made me feel both better and worse. The host came over to start to engage us when we got our makeup done, trying to get our energy up. Hey, how are you two doing? Good to see ya. And I felt myself internally wanting to overcompensate in reverse. The other lady, however, was making up for both of us. So I didn't feel too badly. Our average was real good. (laughs) We snacked on granola bars and juice and boxes, and then we waited. Finally, the producer came in. He led with, Well, I got some bad news for half of you. He immediately looked at me and said, while you saved 16% on your purchases, this young lady right here, and I'm just going to say neither of us were young ladies. He said, this young lady right here saved 19%. And so he looks at her now, you win. You will be doing the commercial. I had to make sure I heard right and understood everything. So I said, okay, so not me then. So should I just leave or what? He looked at me like he was comforting. I'm so sorry. Yes, I'm sure you are so disappointed you can't be on TV. I assured him I was okay and that I actually thought the other lady would be way better. She smiled at me. She thought so too, I think. She knew. She knew she would be. So she was okay with that. He was okay with me leaving, so I left. The producer told me to stop by customer service on my way out, so I did. They handed me a little card. I got to my car, and I opened it up. $500 check. What? I was thrilled. $500 check and no filming? $500 check and no cringy banter, no bad puns, no four to six hours with strangers? I was thrilled. I immediately called my son to thank him for the gig. I hung up, and I drove to the grocery store. I grabbed a coffee. I went and got gas. 
I went to the bank with my $500 check, and then I went to Sam's Club to buy a laptop with my newly found wealth. We had given away our desktop computer when we moved as well, which is a totally different story. And then I went home. And eventually, I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror. I gasped. Perhaps my face would have looked normal on TV. Of course, I'd never have a chance to find out. But I did know that it definitely did not look normal, not on TV. I looked like I was either celebrating a late Halloween, maybe, or an early funeral visitation for myself. I grabbed a washcloth and started scrubbing off my face. I realized how much I had done in the last four hours. I remembered how many people I had seen. I thought, wow, this is a bad day for a minute. And then I thought about how productive I was. And then I thought about that poor woman who was still probably, though her face looked normal, roaming the rows at Walmart with the trying to be funny guy. I hope she never found out that I also made $500 for almost no work and a few bags full of expensive Walgreens products. I thought about her often, actually, and was really excited to see her commercial when it finally aired. And I was once again grateful for the results that I had. <laughs> I have to say this experience also made me think of a parable that Jesus told as well. Perhaps you remember it. Jesus had made the statement that I mentioned earlier, many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Listen, it doesn't say everybody who is, everybody who is, but many who are, many who are. That's Matthew 19.30. And he used that in the, in the context of his encounter with the rich young ruler. Remember the ruler who had asked what he needed to do to be saved? Jesus said, you need to give up your wealth, not because only poor people can be saved, but Jesus knew the condition of this young man's heart. And he knew that the thought of giving up his wealth would be a, this man's stumbling block. And after the young man had turned away from Jesus, unable to give up his great wealth, Peter heard Jesus say this and was like, oh, we've left everything to follow you, so what then will there be for us? After Jesus promises them a hundred times as much plus eternal life, verse 29, he said, but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. And then Jesus further explained the truth with a parable I was mentioning in Matthew chapter 20. I'm going to start at verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went out. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go work in my vineyard. I'm going to pause for a moment. That's what people would do. They would go to certain places and people would go and find the workers and put them to work. It wasn't just like a bunch of ne'er-do-wells. It's just kind of lurking about going, hey, you. Get a job. Come here. That was kind of an expected thing. So that was what was happening then. All right. So he tells these others, go work in my vineyard. I'm going to pick it up at verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. <gasps> so when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. 
When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. As we read in this parable, we see this picture of generosity of this landlord, this landowner. The most direct interpretation based on this content of the parable is that all believers, no matter how long or you know, hard they've worked during this lifetime, all believers receive the same reward, eternal life. Picture the thief on the cross whose life after repentance was limited to just this brief confession of faith in Christ. This thief on the cross received the same reward of eternal life as did Timothy, who served God since he was a youth. Of course, Scripture teaches there's other passages that talk about different rewards in heaven for different services. But the ultimate reward of eternal life is given to all equally on the basis of God's grace in Christ Jesus, on the basis of God's generosity. It's not based on our good works. None of us earns salvation, lest anyone should boast. We're told that in Ephesians 2. Otherwise, what would we have? We'd have the temptation of saying, hey, wait, I worked really a long day in the hot sun. And it would be about ourselves. Another interpretation for the first will be last and many of the last will be first has been offered as well. There are some who were first to follow Christ in time, but weren't necessarily first in the kingdom. And an example used in this interpretation is Judas Iscariot, one of the first disciples. He was honored to be treasurer of the group, but we all know how that ended. And then Paul, being one of the last apostles called, he says as though it's wrongly timed, he was the one who contributed most of the writings of the New Testament. Also, some say, hey, there were those who were first chosen as God's people, the Israelites in the Old Testament. But they're not first in the kingdom either, specifically, are they? If you look at the terms of the New Covenant, the Gentiles had equal access to the kingdom of heaven, although they had not served God under the Old Covenant. Some, not all, Jews had lived and worked a long time under the Old Covenant, were now jealous of the grace extended to the Gentile newcomers. You can almost hear the echoes of no fair. Also, there are some who are first in prestige and position. They might not even enter the kingdom at all. Jesus told the Pharisees that the sinners they despised were being saved ahead of them. Truly, I tell you, Jesus says, this is Matthew 21, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. The Pharisees, those who were the religious leaders, those who were abusing those who were in need, he said, hey, there are people who are sinners who are going to be saved ahead of you. Jesus wants us to see that heaven holds surprises and the earth's value system is like a big heavenly opposites day. Those who are thought important in this world might not be so saved in God. They might not be placing their faith and trust in Christ. The opposite is also true. Those who are despised and rejected in this world may in fact be rewarded richly by God. Don't rank people. Don't seek a high ranking for yourself. Don't be thinking, here's the bottom line and listen carefully. Don't decide for yourself what you think someone else deserves and don't decide for yourself what God owes you. I'm gonna repeat that. 
Don't decide for yourself what you think someone else deserves and don't decide for yourself what you think God owes you. We are all recipients of grace upon grace. While it might seem like some get the reward for doing nothing for it, think thief on the cross, and others have put in hours of labor, think of someone else besides yourself for a second, we are all recipients of God's grace. The focus then is what? It is not on what we do or have done. It is on God's grace and generosity. If we are in the middle of doing God's work, focus on serving with gratitude for his gift. If you have received God's gift of salvation and grace but feel unworthy, we all are. Again, focus on gratitude for his gift. At the end of the day, the focus is on him and on his generosity. 